You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone who is now joining us since I posted the links. Uh, my name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And today is January 14th, 2018. This will be the Locked On Magic for January 15th, 2018. You, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd or at omagicdaily. For those joining us on the Facebook Live, our weekly Facebook Live, you can leave a comment in the comment section below. I will answer your questions live on the air. You can do that every Sunday at around noon next Sunday. Might be a special start time of 11.30. I'll I'll make a final announcement on that as the Magic will take on the Boston Celtics at 1 p.m. And I want to make sure everyone gets cozy and ready before the game starts. But today is all about the midseason review. The Orlando Magic hit the midpoint of the 2018 season on uh, on Tuesday when they played the Dallas Mavericks. And obviously, it's been a very disappointing season. There's, there's no other way to get around it, no other way to say it. The Orlando Magic have not lived up to any expectation. They've, they've actually found a way to underwhelm and, and miss even the, the baseline expectations that they might have had for the beginning of the season. Um, at when things began for the Orlando Magic this year, uh, it, it, it felt like that there would at least be some internal improvement, that there at least would be a, a sense that the team would get better just by having some continuity with the coaching staff and even some roster continuity. There weren't a lot of changes to the roster, and so I don't think a lot of us expected a dramatic improvement, say going from 29 wins to 45 or 50 wins. No one expected that. But I think everyone expected the Magic to get back to that mid-30 level that they were at two years ago, that, that, that the rebuild, not that the rebuild would get back on track because I think we all sensed there were problems, but that the Magic would get themselves back into, uh, back kind of where they were before the, the will, the, the desire to win overtook kind of common sense, let's say. That obviously hasn't happened. The Magic now are sitting at, I think it's 12 and 30, uh, 12 and 30 on the season, 12 and 31 on the season? Now I don't even know the record. They've got the second worst record in the NBA. We're talking about lottery picks. We're talking about trades. We're, we're talking about moving on. And, and maybe that was always going to be the case with some of the players on this roster. But we're talking about a deep lottery pick. In fact, when I talk about this team's future, I really only talk about three players at this point. Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and whoever they draft with this draft pick. And so a lot of the questions I field are about the draft. Having said that, though, there are still some things that we need to get done this season. There are still some things we need to explore this season. And there, uh, I mean, I'm someone who believes in the 82-game schedule. There are still at least some things to watch out for in the next 41 games. So we'll talk about those in just a moment. And I'll field questions about trade, the trade deadline in there because I think that's one of the biggest questions uh, that, that the Magic have. But I think the place to start this conversation, or to start today, is with a look back at what we saw this season. Um, I just posted earlier today on orlandomagicdaily.com how the Orlando Magic answered their five biggest questions this from the second quarter of the season. And if you recall, um, and I'll be asking my next series of five questions later on in the show, but if you recall, after the first quarter of the season at about the 20-game mark, I started. I asked five questions that the Magic needed to answer at the beginning of the season, or entering the second quarter of the season. If you go back to that point, the Magic were eight and thirteen. They were in the midst of their nine-game losing streak, and it just felt like, okay, let's find the bottom, and then we can start climbing back up. We're only three games out of the playoffs. This next quarter of the season is going to determine which direction the Magic head. And so, of course, that was the focus 
for the entire entire early part of that schedule because we felt like, okay, the Magic are now coming out of this difficult portion of their schedule. They had Oklahoma City and Golden State coming up next. They split those two games, and it's like, okay, once we get past that, then we'll know whether this team can truly bounce back. Injuries, of course, played a huge role. Jonathan Isaac only played three games. Nikola Vucevic went down with an injury. Evan Fournier went down with an injury. Terrence Ross went down with an injury. Aaron Gordon went down with an injury. This is a team that just could not survive all those injuries. And, and even with that, even with those injuries, they probably still should have and could have done better. At the end of the day, the Magic finished 4-16 and in the second quarter of the season. They struggled to get themselves uh, any type of baseline. And pretty much were, they were pretty much the worst team in the NBA for the last 20 games. And so it's no surprise their record is what it is. At a certain point, this team, you are what your record says you are. And the Magic are the second worst team in the league. So Orlando unequivocally failed in the second quarter of the season. They were not able to take advantage of that weak spot in the, in the schedule. They were not able to... to bring themselves back up from the depths that they were. In fact, they fell even further behind. And injuries don't explain all of it, for sure. Um, Injuries explain a good part of it. Maybe the Magic were never going to be able to take advantage of the schedule in the way that they needed to if they wanted to make the playoffs. If, um, if, if, you know, they, if they wanted to make playoffs, they weren't going to be, they, they, they just didn't have the personnel to do it. But they certainly could have and probably should have done better than they did. Um, The fact of the matter is the Magic just failed this part on every respect. The defense was bad. The offense was worse. They never found rhythm. They never were able to get themselves going in the right direction. And while I wouldn't say they had too many super embarrassing losses, like say that loss against Utah way back when, they weren't able to find even sometimes a competitive spirit, to, as, as Frank Vogel likes to say, to, 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 to just keep themselves in it in games. It felt like every game was another crushing defeat, was another uh, just disappointing, disheartening effort where we know the Magic can play better and they just weren't. They just weren't able to reach back down and do it. So it was just a disastrous second quarter of the season in every way. The lone bright spot to me in the second quarter of the season, though, came from the Magic's uh, most promising player at this point. Uh, Orlando, uh, one of the questions that I asked in the second quarter, this for entering the second quarter of the season, was how much more responsibility will Aaron Gordon be able to take on? Can the Magic truly hand the keys over to him? And while I don't think we can say comfortably that they can and they'll win games, because obviously they have and they aren't, I think we can really say that, yes, Aaron Gordon is about ready to blossom into a star. I've talked a lot about it over the course of this past week, so it's been a major theme throughout the season now. And, and really, it's, I think, the only theme that's left, left for this year as far as the encore production. The rest of the season is now about how far Aaron Gordon can develop into a star, how much he can learn about being the number one guy on a team. Um, that's, that is a huge question. The rest, of the rest of the rest of the year, and it's a question I'm going to ask again. At the at the quarter mark of the season, I asked how much more responsibility will Aaron Gordon receive? In the second quarter of the season, he averaged 21.7 points per game, shot 45.6% from the floor and 33.3% from beyond the arc. His shooting percentages and efficiency decreased. But I think it's important to note that the Magic did indeed trust Gordon a lot more. In the first quarter of the season, he posted a 20.6% usage rate. Averaging 12.2 field goal attempts per game. So he was taking a healthy amount of shots, but certainly most people would say, got it, and most people did say, 
you got to get Gordon more shots. You've got to keep Gordon more involved. Injuries played a role, of course, in this and in, in, in redistributing the shots, but I don't see this changing very much. In the second quarter of the season, Gordon posted a 26.3% usage rate and took 17.5 field goal attempts per game. The efficiency needs to come. And certainly, I think most people get frustrated with Gordon because he tries to do too much on the ball. He tries to dribble around, and, and I've kind of come to saying he tries to play the star rather than be the star. And I think, honestly, Friday's game against Washington showed a lot of growth from him. He struggled against Milwaukee. I talked about it extensively in Thursday's episode of Locked on Magic. He struggled a lot against Milwaukee. And supposedly he and Frank Vogel sat down and watched tape of that game, and, and, and he learned from it. And he came out in Friday's game against the Washington Wizards trying to pass the ball. Making it a point, almost infuriatingly, trying to pass the ball and get others involved. He took only two field goal attempts in the first half of that game. But I think he learned a valuable lesson, and and we saw what he can do when he is thinking of driving to pass and trying to get people open and trying to keep the ball moving. Not only did the offense play extremely well, but Gordon, I thought, did too, even though he didn't shoot the ball particularly well. As I said, stars find ways to impact the game even when their shot's not falling, and they remain a threat. Gordon made some bad decisions late in that game, no doubt about it. And it's, it's going to be part of the growing pains that he makes as he becomes a star. But undoubtedly, I thought that, that Aaron Gordon play showed some, showed some growth. And that's the kind of growth we'll need to continue seeing from Aaron Gordon. And I think that's a huge question for the rest of this season. And, I'll, I'll, uh, and so that's a preview. of That's one of the questions that I'll have is how much more will Aaron Gordon grow as a star? But the bottom line is for the second quarter of the season, and really for the first half of the season, because he was also a first quarter MVP. Aaron Gordon is the Magic's MVP. He is, I believe, now their leading scorer. He is undoubtedly the player the Magic are most willing to invest in on this roster. He is the guy that will get the keys to the Cadillac, so to speak. This isn't much of a Cadillac. It's, it's a cheap Cadillac. A used Cadillac, if you will. But... He is the guy that the Magic are going to put their trust in to build around for the near future. When it comes to building this roster and considering trades and and, and considering the draft even, I think that the Magic have to figure out what fits best around Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. Those are the two players that matter on this roster. And Aaron Gordon further cemented that in the second quarter of the season. He, He proved that his first quarter of the season was not a fluke. That he is here to play. That he can put up points. That he can score with the best of them. That he does have a level of consistency. The efficiency and the basketball intelligence will come with experience. That I am certain of. He is learning what he has to do and learning really what he'll have to work on this summer. And as we know, Gordon can make big leaps in the summer. And that was a pun. I'm going to get to your questions about the trade deadline in just a moment. I'm going to save those for our section talking about questions for the second for the third quarter and second half of the season. But I want to just get to some more of these points. Um, uh, another question that I asked uh, at the end of the first quarter was, will the Orlando Magic get consistency at point guard? And, and I, this actually bleed right into it perfectly. Um, I thought that the Magic um, were, were obviously struggling at point guard entering the first quarter, entering the second quarter of the season. Um, Alfred Payton was dealing with injuries, uh, um, as was DJ Augustin at the time. 
Uh, and so Orlando wasn't getting much from point guard. And, and really, uh, this all comes down to Alfred Payton and the decision that the Magic have with Alfred Payton. Are they going to keep him or are they going to let him walk or are they going to trade him at, at some point this season? Payton can obviously put up numbers, and, and I thought in the second half, second quarter of the season, he got himself back up to numbers that we expect from him. 14.2 points per game, 6.4 assists per game, 52.2% from the floor. I believe he shot about 38% from beyond the arc. Solid numbers. His offense was fine. His defense remains a little bit shaky. Uh, and, and obviously, I think the record also speaks for itself. As a fourth-year starter, you expect him to take a little bit more leadership and, and control over the game uh, on both ends. So the Magic, you know, and T.J. Augustin also fell off. He, he was no longer the, 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 the guy pushing Peyton to start, although some might argue that maybe he should still start. I think that at this point, it's still, it's hard to say anything's changed with Alfred Peyton. Yes, I thought that the Magic got consistency from him. That the Magic uh, were able to reach some level with him where, okay, he can play and, you know, we know what we're getting from him every night. But I think they also did reach the level, it's like, it's still not enough. Whatever it is, something is just off. And you look at the point guard for some leadership and you look at the point guard position for, uh, for, for to kind of keep everyone in it. And if you've watched some of those videos about the Magic offense, the Magic offense is not always in flow. And Peyton... It doesn't feel like has command over the entire team like you would expect from a point guard. It's his responsibility to manage everyone and to get everyone kind of in the right spots and playing at the right pace. And that has not always been the case. The Magic have the worst offense in the league since November, since early November. Certainly in the, sec- in the second quarter of the season, they had a 101 offensive rating, which was the worst mark in the league over the second quarter of the season. Payton holds some responsibility for that. Can't hold all of it, obviously. But he certainly holds some responsibility for that. And while I think the Magic have gotten consistent play at the point, it's not enough. And obviously, a lot of this roster is not enough. And that's going to lead us into our questions heading into the second, to the third quarter of the season. I want to get to some of your questions here um, and and uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of these questions that we have for the third quarter of the season coming up in just a bit. Um, but KCJ Wood... Uh, asked uh, asked, an, asked an interesting question. Uh, when is Nikola Vucevic coming back from injury? Uh, the injury update, it's a question I've actually been wondering. Uh, Terrence Ross, if, if you follow him on Instagram, it's great Instagram. I, I love Terrence. Terrence is a cool dude. Um, got a great Christmas gift uh, from, from his wife. Um, but Terrence Ross, uh, he was back on the bike. Um, so he is slowly making progress. Um, so he's you know not in a cast or anything. He's back on the bike doing conditioning work. Um, according to uh, all reports, uh, Jonathan Isaac is also back on the bike and is starting to get his conditioning back. Um, Nikola Vucevic has been doing conditioning work on the court as much as he can. He's traveling with the team again, so he's been cleared to sit on the bench. Um, but all three players, according to Frank Vogel, are still far away, in, in his words. He, he was talking to Dante Marcatelli on the pregame show before the Magic's game Friday. Dante asked him for an update on the injured guys uh, and and... Vogel said that they're all still very far away, or that they're not that they're not close. Isaac is the closest of any of them, I think. I think he said, uh, but don't expect anything soon. Uh, I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect them back anytime soon. Um, if if there are a target to maybe start asking again, it might be it might be the end of the month. Um, you know, that's about the time Vucevic should be coming back. 
uh, Nikola Vucevic, uh, six to eight weeks for Vucevic would put him at the first weekend of February, so around the Super Bowl. Um, so it, they're getting, they're, they're making progress, it sounds like, but they're not close to a return from injury. They're not close to getting back um, onto the court and back into the lineup anytime soon. So the Magic are kind of have to gonna go with what they've got at the moment. As I said, uh, the rest of the show, you know, I talked a lot about the first half of the season. Um, very disappointing, obviously. Um, a lot of questions left to be answered. A lot of questions that just didn't get answered that we needed answered. Um, and, and that says a lot, too. But, uh, you know, I, I think the biggest question and the question that I get the most when it comes to the next half of the season, the final 41 or so games of the season, uh, it, it's all about the trade deadline. The trade deadline this year is February 8th, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double-check that. The NBA trade deadline this year will be February 8th, yes. Um, and so we got a little less than a month before the trade deadline. And, and, and rumors are already swirling. Um, Steve Kyler of Basketball Insiders is, was, was, up at, um, was up in Mississauga during the G League Showcase. Seemed to suggest that, that He seemed to suggest on several occasions that the Magic are open for business that teams know that the Magic are looking to make deals and that the Magic are looking to make big deals with some of their bigger players. So if there's a playoff team looking for a quality backup center or a quality center, Nikola Vucevic is there if they're looking for some more shooting, Evan Fournier is there if they're willing to take on the salary. The Magic do have some things that, that teams want. It's just about finding the right deal. Um, Phil Harlow, with our first question on this, asked, asked, is this the best time to trade Izonia while well, he's playing pretty well and we'd get a useful piece back or should we stick with him until the summer? Mario Zoni has been one of the great stories of this season. Um, you know, last um, I I certainly said this. Um, last year, he did not look like he belonged on an NBA floor. He really looked bad last year. His shooting was completely off. And if you believe Mario Zonia, his injury was really bad. He said on Instagram, a year ago, I could barely move my leg, and now I'm dunking. Um, you know, he said that on Instagram. Um, and, and yeah, the injury that, that, that was kept kind of quiet throughout last year and kind of started leaking out. Sounded really, really bad that it limited his mobility and limited his athleticism. Um, Hizoni has played really, really well since entering the rotation. I, I never, I always thought it was a bad decision to decline his team option. Um, I think a player with that much talent, if you believe in him that much, or even if you have half a belief in him, you should give him that opportunity. You should give him every chance to, to play. And so I thought that the Magic made a mistake letting a, a cheap young player just go off into the wild. Uh, I, I did not think that was the right decision. Um, even though I'm someone who said, yeah, I, I don't know where you play Hazonia. I don't know what he's giving you. If he can't make a shot, what use is he? Right now, he is making shots. And at the very baseline, that's all Mario has to do to stay on the floor. Make shots when you're open. Make smart plays, which he's, he's gotten a lot better at playing smart and playing better defense. And, and he's really looking like he could maybe be an end-of-rotation guy. I think when it comes to Zonia, everyone wants him to be fifth overall pick Mario Zonia. I still get people, um, and 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 I, God love them. I love their optimism. I still get people who are like, this kid has so much talent. He's going to be great, and the Magic screwed everything up. The Magic may have screwed up some of his development. That he is not ever, I don't think he's going to be an all-star anytime soon. Um, I don't think that he has that in him. If, if he did, we'd see it by now. And sure, the Magic messed some things up with his development, but he is, at best, a, a solid rotation player. And that's all you ask of him. That's all you want from him. Um, and so I think that, I think that um, the Magic 
you know, have played things right with his, uh, did not play things right with his Zonia at any point in his career. But at the same time, his Zonia did not show the improvement that he needed. Maybe the injury played a big factor in that. But at the end of the day, it's still about production. Hazonia is shooting around 33% from beyond the arc this season while he's shooting a lot better, up near 38% since he entered the rotation fully. If that's who he really is, then he will be a useful player. Then he will find a use somewhere in the NBA. It's still a relatively small sample size, but Hazonia has looked good and does look like he deserves a spot in the NBA. And having said that now, with him entering free agency, I do expect the Magic to trade him. I don't think it will happen immediately. I, I don't think this is a this is a point where the Magic will make a trade immediately. Um, but I do believe that the Magic will get something for him at the trade deadline. Get, and I think, honestly, I think when it came to that team option, I think it was more favor to the agent. Um, I don't have any information to suggest that this is true. But I, I, I get the sense that... Um, I get the sense that the Magic want that the new management wanted to get a better relationship with the agent because um, he's got a pretty big agent uh, and and said to him said to him and his representatives, "Look, we're new. We don't know what happened here before. It's clearly not a good situation. We're not sure he's going to get playing time here. We will let you out of your contract early to our to to, to our you know detriment um, and try and find him a new situation in the meantime." And so I think that that's worked out. And, you know, I don't think Isonia wants to stay in Orlando. I, th- I know a lot of people have said, oh, do you think, do you think the Magic will resign Isonia? Uh, I don't think, I don't, I think Isonia wants to go find somewhere else. I think both parties recognize that, that we need, that they need a different situation, that they need something a little bit different. Um, and so I think that's just the case with Isonia. I, I, I think that that's the direction they're going. But as I said, the trade pieces are the big puzzle for the third quarter of the season. The big question to me in the third quarter of the season is how do how does I mean this is this is I think the big question for the third quarter of the season. How does Jeff Weltman begin forming this team in his image? How does he start building the pieces that he wants? It's clear that there are players that don't fit what they want. I mean, Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier, according to Steve Kyler uh, of Basketball Insiders, feel like they'd welcome a move to a, to a better team. That that while they're very loyal to Orlando and I think they want to see things succeed here. They want to move on and give themselves a chance to win. And, and I think the Magic kind of understand, and I think most Magic fans, even fans of Vucevic and Fournier, understand that it's kind of played its course out. They need to move on. They need to free up that cap room especially. Um, so, Casey J. Wood asked, do you see a trade coming down? And who are the strongest trade pieces for the Magic in the trade market right now? I do think the Magic will make a move, even if it's just Mario Azonia for a second-round pick. I think the Magic will make a trade. I'm not 100% sure they will make a major trade because the reality of the Magic situation is this. There is no rush to trade any player on the roster. The rush comes from teams wanting to get these players in for the playoffs. But if there's no deal the Magic like, Nikola Vucevic is still under contract next year. Becomes an expiring even. Could become more valuable. Evan Fournier is still under contract next year. If teams are interested in him now, there's no sense to believe that the teams would not be interested in him later, especially with his contract flipping over another year. I don't think the Magic are in a rush to make deals. They know they have to. And certainly by the draft, I think the urgency to kind of move and flip over some of the core will be greater. But I think they also, and I would hope they recognize this, that if there is not a deal that gets them a player they like, that they want, 
then they're not going to make the deal. Uh, as Casey point, Casey kind of points out, um, the only player that I think the Magic might feel any urgency to move is Alfred Payton because he is a free agent. And really that's about another team saying, we want to ensure we get Alfred Payton's restricted free agency rights because no one's going to willingly give up the cap room essentially unless they really feel like they can't get Alfred Payton otherwise. And that's why I think there is some talk that maybe Payton does return next year uh, coming off the bench, maybe signing a qualifying offer. I don't think the Magic are willing to invest long-term in Alfred Payton as a free agent. So there is a maybe a little bit of urgency to say, okay, we're not re-signing this kid. Let's trade him and, and maybe Mario Sonia and get a player back who get nets to makes about $9 million or something. That might be something that the Magic pursue. I think really the Magic's main goal still is to create financial flexibility. So if they can get off a big contract like Nikola Vucevic, like Terrence Ross, both one year left after this year, Evan Fournier, Bismack Biombo maybe, DJ Augustin might have value, I don't know. If they can get off one of those big contracts, I think that would be more preferable to the Magic than anything else. Um, I think that that would be a, uh, a direction that the team would like to go uh, because that gets them kind of that gets them where they need to be that gets them uh uh that that gets them kind of to the end goal and again i think really right now it's more about bringing in players that fit what the magic want to do which is the interesting question that Justin Romain asks now could you see the magic front office going against their philosophy of drafting length and athleticism and draft Trey Young kid is amazing I think that when it comes to the draft, the Magic will take the best player available, no matter who that is. Um, I think that they have needs at every position, except for the two forward positions. And so um, and so I think that the Magic will consider Trey Young. I, I had this conversation with someone online earlier today, actually. It might have been you, Justin. I don't know. Um, Trey Young is really good. I've watched him play once or twice. Kid can shoot the lights out. The stats are gaudy as hell. And what really impresses me most is he's a really good passer. Like, really good passer. Like, even like I don't care so much about the flashy passes, and he makes some flashy passes. It's the simple passes. He puts passes to you directly in your shooting pocket. And as a shooter, that's huge. That, that uh, The reason Oklahoma's offense works so well is he passes the ball so well. I have concerns about his length. I have concerns about his defense. And there have been some concerns about his shot making at the NBA level. He, you're going to have to take that risk, I think, if you draft him. Um, but when it comes to these top six guys, and, and there are six guys that I think are legitimately good in this draft. Luka Doncic is still my number one guy. DeAndre Ayton is right behind him. I, 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 Dontrell G. Foster asked me, have you watched DeAndre Ayton play? And if so, what are your thoughts on him? I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about my thoughts in, in a moment on him. Um, but DeAndre Ayton and, and Luka Doncic, I think, are my top two guys. I probably still have Marvin Bagley third, but Trey Young is right behind him. Then Michael Porter, uh, uh, Mo Bamba, uh, and then uh, there's one more guy I'm forgetting. I'm always forgetting someone in this group. Uh, top six. Said Bagley, said Porter, said Bamba. Oh, that's six, yeah. Um, so those are, those are six legitimately very good players. I think that the Magic will take a very close look at Mo Bamba because of that length. Um, because of his shot blocking ability and because of his offensive potential as well, he he looks like a 
He's still very raw, but he looks like a more polished, like, Thon Maker type, as far as body type. Um, and, and, of course, John Hammond drafted Thon Maker, um, you know, defying a lot of, lot of expectations, uh, drafted him very high. When you're this high in the draft, though, you need to take the best player available. And I think that when it comes to the Magic making their pick, it's going to depend on two things. One, where they land in the lottery, because it's still a lottery. No matter how many, how many ping pong balls you have, it's still a lottery. You don't know where you're going to pick. And number two, I think those interviews are going to be absolutely key. Trey Young is a very gifted player. He's a very good player. So I want to know what's going on in here between the ears. I want to, I want to understand who he is as a person, who he is as a basketball prepper. Those are the questions that I think are more important right now because the stats are what they are. And you can watch game tape and you, you, you can make decisions on him there. It's about what goes on between the ears. What's going on in his head? How he thinks about about things? Whether he will make it in the NBA? I will say this: the way Trey Young plays, it's it is reminiscent of Stephen Curry. I I don't I don't think he can avoid those comparisons. See, I don't think he's as good as Stephen Curry, but it's definitely reminiscent of it. And, and as many commentators have said, he is the first player of the Stephen Curry generation who grew up style, styling his game after Stephen Curry. And really doing it at a high level. I mean, Big 12 level is nothing to joke at. And, and to see him continue to, to put up these numbers against Big 12 competition, against really good teams, um, is impressive. The turnovers concern me, though, right now. That's why I'm not ready to put him in that top two quite yet. Um, but you don't want to pass up lightly on a player who can warp the defense the way a player like Trey Young can. Just from getting across half court, getting into the paint, being on the three-point line, that warps the game. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting. We've got a long way to go before the draft. A lot of games left to play. Uh, so I don't want to commit to one guy or another. you got to see where the Magic land in the draft as well. Um, but yeah, March Madness is a big question for the third quarter of the season two. That's question number two. Who do the Magic pick? What are, the, what are the Magic looking at? What are the Magic looking for in the draft? When you're drafting that high, I think you always take best player available. But yeah, I'm a little lower on Michael Porter and Marvin Bagley because the Magic already have those positions filled. And so to get back to your question, Dontrell, what do I think about DeAndre Ayton? Ayton is a really gifted offensive player. I think he's got better post moves than even people give him credit for, and he's a very good post player. I think he's very active around the ball. Um, his athleticism is really impressive. Um, he reminds me, I, I've been saying to people, people have said, oh, he reminds me of Shaq. And that's like, no, he ain't Shaq. He reminds me a lot of Andre Drummond um, when he cared at Connecticut. And that, that, analysis, that comparison might have another meaning here too. Um, I think with Aiden, I, like Aiden's putting up crazy scoring numbers and he works the offensive glass really well. But I think with Aiden, we're not seeing him at his full capacity. And like some of it is because, yes, Arizona has some very good guards in Raleigh Alkins and, and Alonzo Trier. I picked Arizona to win the championship last year with Laurie Markin in there. Um, and I thought that Alonzo Trier was the best player on that team. And, and Alonzo Trier is good, but, but he's, I, I, I can see why he's a late first, early second round pick. Um, but... I think that Aiton is held back a little bit in the Arizona offense, which is scary because he's already scoring a lot of points. Uh, with with Ristich there, they have they play with two bigs. 
And I don't think that that's really an NBA offense that they're running. Um, because the lane is so cluttered with, with Ristich in there. Aiden is essentially playing power forward for Arizona. And the big concern with Aiden from the draft experts experts um, is that he doesn't always give a full effort on defense. And yeah, I see that a little bit. I think he needs to learn the finer points of defense. I think that's something that a lot of these young players just don't learn. Like Marvin Bagley's also got those problems on the defensive end. Uh, and so when I watch Aiden play, I do want him to be a little more assertive defensively. But he's also guarding opposing fours. So he's not always in the position that he would be in defensively if he were playing center. Um, his rim protection is okay. I think that he can learn it. And Frank Vogel is a great, great teacher for rim protection. Um, you know, Nikola Vucevic has become a better rim protector under Frank Vogel. So I think that you can teach Aiton some of those things. And, and he's 18, so you don't want to give up on him and say, oh, he's a bad defender, and he'll always be a bad defender. I think there's a little want to that, that he needs on that end. Um, but And I don't think he's like Dwight Howard good defensively. Um, but I think he can be a good defensive player. So I'm not as concerned about that because I think he's playing out of position. And somewhat to the same extent with Bagley, although I think Bagley's more of a power forward than, than Aiton is. So I think that, you know, Aiton physically, I think he has all the physical tools to be a great defender. Um, and, and so I, I think that that's really hard to pass up. Um, is he an elite rim protector? No. Um, but he's a great rim runner. I think he can work really well in pick and roll schemes that the, that that NBA teams run. Um, and so I'm really high on Aiden. I, I really like this kid. I think that he is a that he's a really promising promising prospect. Um, what that means for the rest of the roster, as, as some of you are asking, um, you know, I don't know. Um, I think that, uh, like I said earlier, um, it, it sounds like the Magic are willing to bring Peyton back on a short term deal, uh, but I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Um, you can always solve the point guard question later, maybe. Um, it might be dealt with in a trade. Um, you know, I think that there's still... A, I mean, I would put it this way. If the Magic want to... Um, things don't seem to be going well with George Hill in uh, in Sacramento. That may be a place that they turn. As, as bad as George Hill's contract is, he's got two years left at $20 million, about $20 million a year. Um, last year is only partially guaranteed. That is always a direction you can go. I don't think Sacra Sacramento is looking to unload that deal. So, you know, maybe they want Peyton, maybe not. Maybe they'd be okay with Augustine. Maybe they'd be okay taking Fournier and giving the giving the keys over to Darren Fox. Um, I, I think that there's opportunities to get point guard. I, I, I think when you're drafting as high as the Magic are drafting this year, you take the best player available. Uh, and so I don't think that you can be picky with, with positions or say, oh, we can't. You know, except for Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac, so I'm going against myself here, but I don't think you can be picky and say, oh, you know, we we need to draft a point guard here because we don't have a point guard. The Magic needs so much, they can't be thinking about need. They need to think about who fits our roster best, who is the best player for us for now, for, for the long term more than now. Um, so I think that's that's the direction we go. Uh, Nick Booker um, with the question of the week here. Do you think we shouldn't have drafted Isaac? No, I think, first off, same deal, same deal with the Magic there. I thought the Magic needed to take the best player available. Whoever that was, whoever they thought it was, they needed to take him. There's no, you know, I, I would have still, I would have taken Dennis Smith. Um, I probably still would have, although I, I haven't watched him much. 
Um, and saw him, obviously saw him Tuesday in Dallas and thought he was okay. He's kind of what we all expected him. So I understand why they passed on him. I think Jonathan Isaac's still going to be very good. I don't know if he's going to be all-star good. And I never was sure he was going to be all-star good. But he's going to be, um, to me, he's going to be a, a really good defender. Um, he's already a really good defender, especially for a rookie. And I think his offensive game will come. The injury this year sucks. And I think, you know, we live in a society that wants instant gratification. And so, yeah, I get that. That it, that Isaac missing 25-plus games, missing more than half the season so far, um, it, it, it hurts. I mean, it hurts his development. It hurts the team. They need him out there. But at the same time, I, I think Isaac was still the right pick for what the Magic want to do. Um, the Magic want, you know, those players, want players like him. Um, I think him and, uh, him and, and, uh, uh, him and, and, and Gordon make for a really interesting, uh, interesting pair. So we'll see what the magic are able to do. Um, uh, so the mag, so the magic are, uh, we'll see, we'll see what the magic do there. Um, honestly, I, I, I don't know what, what the, what they're going to do. So. We'll see. We'll see there. Uh, I'm still high on Isaac. I, 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 the more I've watched Isaac, the more I've liked him. I mean, let me say that. Um, it's really disappointing that he got hurt, but nothing you can do about there. Um, just to, uh, uh, before I dive into more questions for the third quarter of the season, Dontrell Foster asked, do we have our second round pick or did we trade it to Toronto? Well, Orlando actually had two second round picks in this draft. Um, they have their own pick as well as the Lakers second round pick from the Dwight Howard trade. The worst of those two picks, so whichever pick comes later, will go to Toronto as part of the Jeff Weltman deal. So the Magic, um, so I actually will go to Brooklyn as part of the Jeff Weltman deal and the Damari Carroll deal. So the Magic will have one second round pick in this coming draft. Coming draft. Um, it'll be the, whichever pick is worse between the Lakers and the Magic, will be the one that they send to Toronto and then on to Brooklyn uh, as part of the Damari Carroll, Carroll deal. So um, the Magic will get one second-round pick. It'll be a high second-round pick, so it'll be valuable. And we'll see if the Magic can do that. Um, I also got another question asking, could the Magic trade Vucevic and uh, Peyton or, uh, and Azonia for a second-round pick? Um, probably not. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be our second lottery pick. I think it's going to be really tough to get a second lottery pick with the players that the Magic have. Essentially, the Magic have a lot of high-priced players. Um, I don't think teams are willing to take on those contracts for lottery picks. Lottery picks are too valuable in this, in this atmosphere. They're, they're very cost-controlled. Um, and so unless there's a player that, that they want that, that another team want, doesn't want, that's when we might see a deal. I just don't see it right now. Um, I think you got to look for teams like the Magic were two years ago that were just outside the playoffs and felt like we don't need another rookie. We need a veteran. Those are the teams that you jump in on for lottery picks, um, you know, like Oklahoma City did. But um, it, it definitely uh, definitely doesn't fit. Um, one more question here. Can a one do be a future Brogdon type? A uh, future point guard Brogdon type? I I am not sure on that one. Uh, I... I like Weston Wundu. I like him more every time I see him play. I think he's grown a lot. Um, I don't know if he has the ball handling for it. Uh, so I, I am a little concerned there. Um, you know, maybe if you draft a Luka Doncic, um, a guy who's a 2-3 type point guard, who's more of a, you know, not Brogdon type with his length and defense, but 
a bigger point guard. Maybe then you can start a one to a point guard as a primary ball handler, a guy to bring the ball up the floor. Um, so you know maybe uh, I, I like a one do off the bench until he until he becomes a more consistent shooter. It's going to be tough to start a guy like a one do, especially with this lineup without the shooters that that the Magic have. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the idea with him. Um, he certainly can do some playmaking, but uh, I don't think that that's a a, a huge huge deal there. Um, so, yeah, that, I, I, think, I think that's all I have to say about that. Um, so cool. Thanks for the questions, everyone. Like I said, um, wanted to go over uh, some questions that we have for the third quarter of the season. Now that we're in the third quarter of the season, the, the first one that I had is how much you know, how how much control over the offense, or how much more control are the Magic willing to give over to Aaron Gordon? What can Aaron Gordon become this year? I think that's question number one for the next quarter of the season. The second question that I had was, uh, how will Jeff Weltman begin shaping this team in his image? What 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 things are he is he going to be looking for, and how will he handle the trade deadline? It's a huge question for this team. The third question, uh, another question I think I have for the third quarter of the season, is uh, is is really how do the Magic develop their young players? Like what young players do they emphasize? I think we know Aaron Gordon, we know Jonathan Isaac, some extent Wesley Owundu, but at what point do you start playing Ken Birch over Maurice Spates? At what point do you, at what at what point do you emphasize some of the young players on your roster and really give them some serious run, or more serious run than you're giving them? Iwandu has got himself firmly entrenched in the rotation. That's great. He's earned that opportunity. Um, Ken Birch just can't get off the bench. He's behind Maurice Spates. He's behind Bismack Biombo, and it's tough for him to get playing time. At some point, you got to play the kid. Um, and yeah, I guess he's not a kid. He's like 28, but. At some point, you got to play him. You got to give him an opportunity to go out and play meaningful minutes. Um, we've been calling for it for a long time with the way that Maurice Spates has shot. Um, it, it's been a bit of a struggle to see again some maybe some veterans playing over young guys again. Maybe this will change after the trade deadline. Maybe the trade deadline is the point when you start playing those younger players a little bit more. You call up Jamel Artis. You call up Adrian Payne. Um, I don't know how many days they have left remaining, but you know if there are fewer days in the season. Then days remaining on their two-way contract, they need to be on the roster, and yeah, they probably need to be playing if you're willing to invest that much in them. Do the Magic maybe cut an Aaron Aflalo who's on a minimum contract and sign uh, a Rodney Purvis or Troy Copain who've played really well in the G League? Do they try to address needs through free agency or find young players and sign them to cheap multi-year deals? Maybe that's that is certainly a question that the Magic need to consider looking at as, as the year goes on because the, the roster is full right now. They can't sign anyone else without cutting someone. So maybe Aaron Aflalo, maybe Aaron Aflalo's homecoming is short-lived here and the Magic look to bring in some young players. Um, definitely, definitely a huge question. I think a big question for the next quarter of the season is how does Frank Vogel adjust to his new real to the new reality for this team? And can he kind of reinstill some confidence in this team? Um, and really can he reinstill confidence in himself that the team has in him? If by all accounts, Jeff Waltman said Vogel is safe. We're, we're not we're not looking to change coaches right now. But certainly, he has not lived up to his billing on either end of the floor. And certainly, the team has struggled, struggled with, with doing some very basic things. And while I'm not ready to blame the coach, I think that this is on the players. If the players are unwilling to execute and unwilling to do things that the coach has asked them to do, that's on them. That's not on the coach. But it does reflect poorly on Frank Vogel, and I think that he has to account for that in some way. And 
you know, has to be willing to change some things. And the rotation decisions have been a little bit frustrating at times, um, as have some of the adjustments that he's made. And, and, you know, I don't know how much more you can simplify the offense if the team isn't executing simple things, but a lot of things it seems that Frank Vogel is saying is falling on deaf ears, and that is almost certainly a huge problem. And then, of course, I think the final question is, will the Magic get healthy? Can the Magic get Nikola Vucevic back, get him integrated back into the team, and, you know, that will help the team win. Can the Magic get Terrence Ross back? Can the Magic get Jonathan Isaac back, which I think is a bigger question. The Magic need to find find their purpose again. I think the third quarter of the season, the, the big theme is finding your purpose. Finding uh, finding uh, uh, who you want to be in the long run. And some of that is handing the keys over to Aaron Gordon. Some of that is getting Jonathan Isaac back and letting him flourish and letting him play. Some of that is playing some of these young guys and figuring out exactly what you have in a Wessa Wundu, in a Jamel Artis, in a Ken Birch, and figuring out how they fit into the future. Finding your purpose here in this third quarter of the season, in the next 20 games, is absolutely vital. You're going to get a high draft pick. This team just isn't good enough to make a run for the make a Miami Heat type run for the playoffs. They're going to probably make some interesting injury decisions. If a guy tweaks an ankle, he's probably going to sit for a while. That that's 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 what's going to happen. But again, and I've said this so many times to people who are like, "Why are you celebrating? Why are you upset that they lost? It's a good thing that they lost." So long as you are playing games, I expect the players to do everything in their power to win said games. I expect everything with the coaching staff to win said games. And so while I'm not expecting a lot of wins because this team isn't good, I am expecting better effort. I am expecting better competition, and I'm I'm expecting more wins in this in the third quarter of the season. If they go another 20 games with just four wins, that's definitely a huge problem overall. It's possible. I'm not saying it's not impossible that they have another terrible third quarter, another terrible quarter of the season. But right now, the Magic just need to find themselves again, find their purpose, find a reason to play every single night. And you may not win every single night, but you've got to establish those habits. And those habits need to start today or tomorrow at practice. Or Tuesday against the Wolves. That's really what this third quarter of the season to me is about. For the front office, to the coaching staff, to the players, it's finding your purpose. And finding a way to come to the come to the office every day and give it your all. And so I think that's that's definitely what we're looking for in the next quarter of the season. I'm going to cut this uh, episode short uh, because I'm obviously not at home. I'm, I'm with, with, with family, but I want to make sure I talk to everyone here on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. So I want to thank everyone for watching the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live on Facebook. You can find us every Sunday at noon on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook page, facebook.com slash Orlando Magic Daily. Like I said, next week, the Orlando Magic play the Boston Celtics at 1 p.m. at the TD Garden. Uh, my plan for now is to do a show at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I'll, I'll make a formal announcement as well on Locked on Magic. So if if, if you are if you come at noon and you're in the middle of the show, tough luck. Um, I'll make a final announcement. I may skip next week's show because of the game, but but we'll, we'll, we'll see. So just, just hold off on that. But most Sundays at noon, OrlandoMagicDaily.com or Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live on Facebook.com slash OrlandoMagicDaily. You can catch the replay on Monday's episode of Locked On Magic. You can subscribe to Locked On Magic for a daily podcast um, every weekday, Monday through Friday, uh, on 
iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Just search for Locked on Magic. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd for all your questions. I'm always available to answer your questions. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily for all Orlando Magic Daily information and conversation. I want to thank everyone again for joining me for the Facebook Live. I want to thank everyone again for listening to Locked on Magic. Until next time, we'll see you all again for another Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live, probably next Sunday, if not the Sunday after that. And I'll see you again tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.